619, so we get to spend some extra quality time this morning with Deb Hutton on the Morning Brief as we take a look at some of the day's big stories. Nice to have you. Happy Friday, Deb Hutton. Happy Friday, John Moore. Were you watching the hockey game last night? We were. All four of us were around the TV to nothing. We were feeling pretty good. And then, boom, I don't know what happened, but those two quick goals in a row. So good outcome in the end. My God, those guys look young, though. I'm feeling very old. <laughs> oh, I know. But then I also find myself, you know, somebody can be 28 years old and I still call them kids. That's just a... that's true. But I mean, some of these guys are 17 oh, I know. and just an amazing performance. And the notion that you have three on three. I mean, I was exhausted just watching that overtime. OK. And the girls are happy with the result, I'm sure. Absolutely. The youngest is a hockey player herself. So this is uh, she kept reporting anytime we'd walk out of the room, she'd be yelling at what was happening. So it was fun. We're learning more and more about Toronto's city budget, including $2 billion in investment in Toronto housing. Uh, then we get into, you know, maintenance of parks and a bunch and libraries, increasing the library budget. Just wondering what your sort of grosso modo take on this all is. Well, I find it uh, both uh, ironic and a little inconsistent to hear the, the left, who's largely these days on council being led by Josh Matlow, talking about, you know, restraint, essentially. Because let's be clear, the left does not like an increase in the police budget. And quite frankly, I am all for it, John. As it relates to housing, this is a um, no surprise. We had the housing plan come out, I think, at the end of 2022. And it does call for some investment by the other two levels of government. And the one thing that John Tory has proven over and over again that he's really good at is bringing the other two levels of government on board, particularly on housing. Uh, meanwhile, the OPP is they have 13 complaints so far in, about allegations that the provincial government or some members in it may have tipped off land developers about the reopening of the Greenbelt. I don't know if you heard my own analysis on this. I don't think there was any formal tip off because people are too smart to do something like that. There may have been, you know, one of those conversations like you saw in the movie Clear and Present Danger, where you don't say something and you say something, but I just don't think they're going to find anything. Yeah, and I think we need to be careful today in our language, um, and, and I think you have been, John, but for our listeners, this is the OPP asking questions about a number of complaints they've received. And to be clear, to the best of, I think, my knowledge, these complaints are people who don't like changes to the Greenbelt, period, as opposed to necessarily having any particular information that would relate to the need for an actual investigation. So this is this is sort of a we better look into these complaints, given the magnitude and the gravity of these complaints uh, to see if there's even any sense that there is a need for an investigation. If there is and if the investigation finds something, I will be the first to be all over it and say this is disgusting. But until such time as we have that proof that that fact A matches up with fact B, I think we just should all be very cautious about what this is. And in many cases, I think it is simply uh, people who don't like changes to the Greenbelt. And I get it. I'm just not one of those people. Well, and it'd be interesting to see the names of those who filed the complaints, because, for example, this Adam Shallow fellow municipally files complaints as a matter of routine against city officials, especially the mayor. Um, but it's just because, you know, he's kind of a chronic complainer. Yeah. And again, I think there's a number of, of the environmental groups who have filed this complaint. And it's not, as I said, I think because they have any particular knowledge, they're just hoping to stop the policy 
that is has um, has been what the Ford government has moved forward with. I realize you're not rooting for the liberals, so maybe it's actually just a guidebook <laughs> to how they screwed the pooch on the last election. But a report has been filed about how they ended up not only losing the last election, but the previous one. Um, and, you know, there's a, a lot of meat to this, including the unattractiveness, apparently, of the party leader and the fact that the party just had no ground game. Yeah. And listen, I find this stuff fascinating. And as much as I would love to say that the Conservative Party, whether it's federally or provincial, will not be in this situation, we all know that politics is very cyclical. And and in early 1990s, we found ourselves as a, as a progressive conservative party in Ontario in a very similar situation in third place and having lost three successive uh, elections. So I do find this stuff fascinating. The fact that the leader wasn't popular and that uh, the policy and their platform was all things to all people, no surprise there. And those two things, I think, are, are firmly on Stephen Del Duca's shoulders. What I find interesting, John, is that the Liberal Party very established party screwed up on voter identification and on candidate vetting that really has not, like that's on the shoulders of the campaign team and on the party executive that's appalling to me and that shows a party in complete disarray all of those things i think point to the fact though that they need to get moving on a leadership there seems to be no talk of that and they don't seem to be in any hurry and i think that's a mistake yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, parties come back. At the federal level, the conservatives were run down to two seats. They came back. They ended up running the government. Um, the liberals were humiliated. They ended up coming back under Justin Trudeau. But when I look at the provincial liberal party, I sometimes wonder, Deb, if it's done. Yeah, and I, and I don't think that. As I said, it, it happens to all of us at some point. Um, Mike Harris was in third place and did go from third in 1990 to first in 95 with a resounding majority. So it, it, things do change, and you've, you've pointed out some of the federal party issues. But the real issue here for me is what happened to the party itself. Because when you have an issue with leader and platform, again, you can change the leader. Voter identification, candidate vetting, those, those sort of nuts and bolts things things. Crazy that they got that wrong. A very dense feature in the Globe and Mail about uh, nuclear reactors and Ontario's fairly nuclear reliant. And apparently their pressure tubes are deteriorating faster than expected. I guess the question here, Deb, is do we refurbish or do we retire? And if we retire, where do we go? Well, one of the things I found fascinating, and it is, you're right, John, it's a very dense uh, expose here, is that the, the regulator, the Canadian Nuclear Safety uh, Association, who is supposed to be on top of this, seemed to be much more involved with the operator in finding a fix as opposed to coming down hard on, in many cases, this is, uh, these are tubes that are at the Bruce Nuclear in, in King Carden. So that was what was troubling to me about this whole thing, that the regulator seems to be wanting to figure out, uh, sort of, uh, how we get around the actual rules, make them very flexible as opposed to cracking down and getting them fixed. So I think that is really the, the takeaway for me of this story. Where do we go from here? Clearly, we are at end of life for some of these things. Some of these tubes were built in the 60s. Uh, we need nuclear power. I am a huge proponent of nuclear power. So let's get on with fixing them, even if it means some temporary shutdowns. Yeah. And it may be a moot debate, actually, because I think the future of nuclear is something I've been reading about of late, which is these reactors that are like the size of an office desk and they can power like 30,000 households. So you just build a whole bunch of those. 
Yeah, we recently had um, Ken Hartwick, who's the uh, head of OPG, on when I was doing the noon show in the last couple of months because they just unveiled their most recent one. And these these things are small, and they you can put them everywhere. It's it's really quite amazing. In the meantime, though, we still have the Bruce, and it's been, I think, a godsend for us in terms of our electricity supply in the province. Okay, one last uh, story on the provincial scene, actually, we didn't get to, is the NDP set to confirm Merritt Stiles as leader in February. I don't know if there's any analysis either you or I can provide on this aside from, okay, new chapter, now what? Is she a premier in waiting? Well, and I think this loops back to the liberal story, John, because she is the official opposition leader. She will be before the legislature resumes in, I don't know, mid to late February. So that's why they've moved up the date, I think, aside from the fact they had no race. And while I think that is a cause for concern for the NDP, the choice they ultimately made, the only choice they had, is actually a very good one. She's articulate. She's smart. Uh, I, I think she is an ideologue without being someone with blinders on. And it is bad news for the Liberal Party and I think very good news for the NDP and probably good news for Doug Ford because she will be a complete foil to, to his government and his policies. Yeah, I find her very likable and a really, really good communicator. And even before she declared for the leadership, I wondered if she was a future leader. But again, the question always will be, Deb, is this a premier in waiting? And I don't know. I think Doug Ford's got a lot of runway. He does have a lot of runway, but as we have seen in the past, uh, three and a half years is a long time in politics. <laughs> Deb, thanks a lot. Good to have you this morning. Have a great day, John. Deb Hutton, former advisor to two Ontario premiers and now part of our team of analysts here at News Talk 1010.